the law school of America. Coercion is compelling a party to act in an involuntary manner by use of threats, including propaganda or force. It involves a set of various types of forceful actions that violate the free will of an individual to induce a desired response, for example, a bully demanding lunch money from a student or the student gets beaten. These actions may include extortion, blackmail, torture, threats to induce favors, or even sexual assault. In law, coercion is codified as a duress crime. Such actions are used as leverage, to force the victim to act in a way contrary to their own interests. Coercion may involve the actual infliction of physical pain-slash-injury or psychological harm in order to enhance the credibility of a threat. The threat of further harm may lead to the cooperation or obedience of the person being coerced. Overview The purpose of coercion is to substitute one's aims to those of the victim. For this reason, many social philosophers have considered coercion as the polar opposite to freedom. Various forms of coercion are distinguished, first on the basis of the kind of injury threatened, second according to its aims and scope, and finally according to its effects, from which its legal, social, and ethical implications mostly depend. Physical. Physical coercion is the most commonly considered form of coercion, where the content of the conditional threat is the use of force against a victim, their relatives or property. An often used example is putting a gun to someone's head, at gunpoint, or putting a knife under the throat, at knife point or cutthroat, to compel action under the threat that non-compliance may result in the attacker harming or even killing the victim. These are so common that they are also used as metaphors for other forms of coercion. Armed forces in many countries use firing squads to maintain discipline and intimidate the masses, or opposition, into submission or silent compliance. However, there also are non-physical forms of coercion, where the threatened injury does not immediately imply the use of force. Byman and Waxman, 2000, define coercion as the use of threatened force, including the limited use of actual force to back up the threat, to induce an adversary to behave differently than it otherwise would. Coercion does not in many cases amount to destruction of property or life since compliance is the goal. Psychological. In psychological coercion, the threatened injury regards the victim's relationships with other people. The most obvious example is blackmail, where the threat consists of the dissemination of damaging information. However, many other types are possible for example, emotional blackmail, which typically involves threats of rejection from or disapproval by a peer group or creating feelings of guilt-slash-obligation via a display of anger or hurt by someone whom the victim loves or respects. Another example is coercive persuasion. Psychological coercion, along with the other varieties, was extensively and systematically used by the government of the People's Republic of China during the Thought Reform Campaign of 1951-1952. The process carried out partly at revolutionary universities and partly within prisons, was investigated and reported upon by Robert J. Lifton, then research professor of psychiatry at Yale University, 1961. The techniques used by the Chinese authorities included a technique derived from standard group psychotherapy, which was aimed at forcing the victims, who were generally intellectuals, to produce detailed and sincere ideological confessions. For instance, a professor of formal logic called Qin Yue Lin who was then regarded as China's leading authority on his subject, was induced to write, the new philosophy, being scientific, is the supreme truth. In the criminal law of many nations, necessity may be either a possible justification or an exculpation for breaking the law. 
Defendants seeking to rely on this defense argue that they should not be held liable for their actions as a crime because their conduct was necessary to prevent some greater harm and when that conduct is not excused under some other more specific provision of law such as self-defense. Except for a few statutory exemptions and in some medical cases there is no corresponding defense in English law for murder. For example, a drunk driver might contend that they drove their car to get away from being kidnapped. Most common law and civil law jurisdictions recognize this defense, but only under limited circumstances. Generally, the defendant must affirmatively show, for example, introduce some evidence, that, a, the harm they sought to avoid outweighs the danger of the prohibited conduct they are charged with, b, they had no reasonable alternative, c, they ceased to engage in the prohibited conduct as soon as the danger passed, and, d, they themselves did not create the danger they sought to avoid. Thus, with the drunk driver example cited above, the necessity defense will not be recognized if the defendant drove further than was reasonably necessary to get away from the kidnapper, or if some other reasonable alternative was available to them. General discussion. As a matter of political expediency, states usually allow some classes of person to be excused from liability when they are engaged in socially useful functions but intentionally cause injury, loss or damage. For example, the fire services and other civil defense organizations have a general duty to keep the community safe from harm. If a fire flood is threatening to spread out of control, it may be reasonably necessary to destroy other property to form a fire break, or to trespass on land to throw up mounds of earth to prevent the water from spreading. These examples have the common feature of individuals intentionally breaking the law because they believe it to be urgently necessary to protect others from harm but some states distinguish between a response to a crisis arising from an entirely natural cause, an inanimate force of nature, for example, a fire from a lightning strike or rain from a storm, and a response to an entirely human crisis. Thus, parents who lack the financial means to feed their children cannot use necessity as a defense if they steal food. The existence of welfare benefits and strategies other than self-help defeat the claim of an urgent necessity that cannot be avoided in any way other than by breaking the law. Further. Some states apply a test of proportionality. So the defense would only be allowed where the degree of harm actually caused was a reasonably proportionate response to the degree of harm threatened. This is a legal form of cost-benefit analysis. Specific jurisdictions. International law. Customary international law. Under international law, an obligation of customary international law or an obligation granted under a bilateral investment treaty may be suspended under the doctrine of necessity. It is an exception from illegality and in certain cases even as an exception from responsibility. See Continental Casualty Company v. Argentine Republic, ICSID case no ARB-03-09. In order to invoke the doctrine of necessity. 1. The invoking state must not have contributed to the state of necessity. 2. Actions taken were the only way to safeguard an essential interest from grave and impending danger. United States. Necessity as a defense to criminal acts conducted to meet political ends was rejected in the case of United States v. Schoon. In that case, 30 people, including appellants, gained admittance to the IRS office in Tucson, where they chanted Keep America's Tax Dollars Out of El Salvador, splashed simulated blood on the counters, walls, and carpeting, and generally obstructed the office's operation. The court ruled that the elements of necessity did not exist in this case. In specific states, the Winooski 44 case in Vermont resulted in activists being acquitted of charges after using a necessity defense. Canada. In Canada, 
Necessity is recognized as a defense for crimes committed in urgent situations of clear and imminent peril in which the accused has no safe or legal way out of the situation. Three requirements for defense of necessity. 1. Urgent situation of imminent peril or danger. 2. No reasonable legal alternative. 3. Proportionality between harm inflicted and harm avoided. The first and second elements are evaluated on the modified objective standard. The third element is evaluated on a purely objective standard. R.B. Latimer. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. A mistake of fact may sometimes mean that, while a person has committed the physical element of an offense, because they were laboring under a mistake of fact, they never formed the mental element. This is unlike a mistake of law, which is not usually a defense. Law enforcement may or may not take for granted that individuals know what the law is. Discussion. Most criminal law systems in developed states exclude mistake of law as a defense, because allowing defendants to invoke their own ignorance of the law would breach the public policy represented by the Latin maxim, ignorante legis neminem excusat. But someone operating under a mistake of fact will not generally be liable, because, although the defendant has committed the actus reus of the offense, the defendant may honestly believe in a set of facts that would prevent him or her from forming the requisite mens rea required to constitute the crime. For example, a defendant goes into a supermarket and places eight items in a basket which is presented to the cashier for payment in the usual way. Both honestly believe that all eight items have been scanned, and the defendant pays the sum shown on the bill. A store detective, however, notices that a mistake was made by the cashier so that only seven items were priced. This detective arrests the defendant after leaving the store. Since the defendant honestly believes that he has become the owner of goods in a sale transaction, he cannot form the mens rea for theft, which is usually dishonesty, when he physically removes them from the store. There is a complex question as to whether the defense of mistake applies to crimes that do not specify a mental element, such as strict liability offenses and manslaughter by criminal negligence. In Australia, the High Court's 2005 ruling in R. V. Lavender prevents the use of any reasonable mistake of fact defense in cases of involuntary manslaughter. However, the defense of mistake is available to offenses of strict liability such as drunk driving, CDPP v. Bone NSWSC 1239. And it is the very availability of the defense of mistake that distinguishes between offenses of strict and absolute liability. Mistake of fact is unavailable in respect to absolute liability offenses. Canada. The leading Supreme Court of Canada case on the mistaken belief is R. V. Park, in which it was held that even unreasonable beliefs must be left to a jury to consider. The issue in most states is the extent to which the test of belief should be subjective or objective. England and Wales. Mistake of fact. Mistake of fact may be a defense in criminal law if it is genuine, whether or not it is reasonable. In DPP v. Morgan an RAF officer told three other officers to have sex with his wife, and that she would pretend to refuse just to be stimulating. They pleaded mistake, and the jury did not believe them. The House of Lords held that the judge had wrongly directed the jury that the mistake must be a reasonable one, the correct legal test was whether the defendants had honestly believed the wife was consenting, not whether they reasonably believed this. However, on the facts the House of Lords held the conviction was nonetheless safe despite the misdirection. R. V. Williams, Gladstone, confirmed the principle stated in Morgan that a belief that a certain set of facts are true does not need to be reasonable to operate under the defense of mistake. It merely needs to be genuine. However, the reasonableness of that belief is material in the jury deciding whether the defendant had actually held that belief. An exception to this appears to be bigamy.
The Sexual Offenses Act 2003 has introduced a hybrid test of reasonable belief as to consent. The defendant must now be seen to have taken steps to ascertain clearly whether the victim was consenting in all the circumstances. This abolishes the defense of a genuine though unreasonably mistaken belief as to the consent. Mistake of law. Mistakes about the criminal law. It is not a defense that the defendant held an honest and reasonable belief that what he was doing was not criminal. Where the defendant is a foreigner, and the offense is not criminal in his own country, the fact of such a belief is still not a defense. It is not a defense that the defendant believed that he would not be prosecuted for what he was doing. Offenses created by statutory instruments. Section 3.2 of the Statutory Instruments Act 1946 provides. In any proceedings against any person for an offense consisting of a contravention of any such statutory instrument, it shall be a defense to prove that the instrument had not been issued by His Majesty's stationary office at the date of the alleged contravention unless it is proved that at that date reasonable steps had been taken for the purpose of bringing the purport of the instrument to the notice of the public, or of persons likely to be affected by it, or of the person charged. Words in brackets inserted by Section 11A of the Statutory Instruments, Production and Sale, Act 1996, as read with Section 12 Mistakes about the Civil Law. A mistake about the civil law may have the effect of negativing the mens rea for an offense. The Law School of America. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons Attribution, Share Alike License. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America.